0: Well, good morning to you again. I'm Joel Wayne, one of the pastors. And yes, we're in this series right now entitled Because It Matters, as you've already heard. And last week we began the series looking at biblical worldview because it really does matter. So as we're looking at biblical worldview, now we're stepping into what it is to have biblical community with one another, biblical community. And next week we're going to talk about prayer and the importance of that kind of as a foundation What does that look like for us? And what kind of role should it play in our own lives? The next week, we look at the Bible and the depth of that, what that means for us, how that should be injected into our lives and the value of that, even how to read it the very best way possible. And then we get into things like weed and wine and then biblical sexuality and all kinds of other topics in the month of October. Um, So here we are. We're going to be asking everybody uh, to memorize along with us as a church. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. And so we thought we would just start today, once again, just like we did a week ago. Uh, Just let's just read this together. It's going to come up on the screen. And let's go ahead and take this opportunity to read God's word with one another. Isaiah chapter 59. So let's read this together. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wonderful. That's the word of God. I told you, uh, today, biblical community, right? Uh, you even saw a little bit about what we do for community and what we want, uh, even with Chick-fil-A and what we're willing to do for certain things. I want to let, make sure you understand a little bit of my own story When it comes to church and the role and even the relationship that I have with church. Uh, I grew up, my mom's actually visiting here today somewhere, I don't know where. um, And she is from North Carolina, she lives in North Carolina now. But um, I grew up, she grew up with a husband, I grew up with a father who was a pastor as well. And uh, grew up in a lot of different churches. My father typically would go to churches that were already kind of struggling or hurting and he would go into those places, and sometimes we would stay for four, five, six years, and he'd go to another one. Um, but you would know if a church was actually a place that was receptive to change. You know, the majority of churches out there, I would say they want to grow but not change. Right? It's not that they, and it's not about Scripture, right? It, they want to be aligned with Scripture, but they just don't want to do anything different. They have their preferences, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go too far with that. But my relationship was seeing churches that would sometimes ask someone to come in and to serve and to do certain things and then not support that when that individual would actually do that. Um, it led me, instead of going to seminary initially, I ended up going to business school as, instead. And I started with a company called Nabisco. I did all of that. Then I decided to go to seminary. And uh, God just kept pulling and tugging on me. I've been a lead pastor now for 15 years. Prior to that, I had a decade of serving as an associate. And as I look at all of that, even in the churches that I've been a part of, my relationships have been a little, um, a little strenuous, I think, at times with the church. Uh, I've left the ministry at one point, uh, if you didn't know. And I started doing some real estate until God said, No, you don't have a choice. I thought you already understood i asked you to be a pastor, Uh, and so through some difficulty and some hardship, we stepped back into ministry. Uh, Then I pastored a couple of churches, and um, I've had churches promise me all types of things. Um, I've had leadership say, hey, this is what we want you to do, and I've said, okay, this is how I'm going to do it, and they go, great, and then I feel like I'm on an island all by myself. Uh, in fact, even before I came here just over five years ago, as of six years ago, I was looking at leaving the ministry once again for good. So maybe that gives you a little bit of insight. Um, I was done I already had a position lined up to go back into business to stay in business because it 's just to me if you 're in business great, but it 's easier because you have fewer people i 'm not saying your job is easy, but um, everybody thinks that they know how to do my job better than me. It feels like at times, and so then i 'm like, okay. I'll just go be not known at all. And so I was stepping away from the ministry once again. And instead, this came up. Before I knew it, I'm talking to people in Michigan where I had never even visited before. Wasn't even sure if you're a part of the United States. And before I know it, I'm here. And I will tell you this, even though my relationship with the church has been unique, um, because I I have had moments in my life where I expect the church to wrong me. I expect the church to do me wrong. And that's sad. Um, just with the with my life and everything that's taken place. But hear me say this, I could not be more honored to serve in a church than I am right here at Chapel Point. Amazing place of brothers and sisters serving together. But my relationship again has been hard uh, with the church where I've wanted to have nothing to do with it at times even though I know God ordained the church in order to come and say, this is what I want for you. This is how I'm going to carry out my message into the world. And so we don't have an opportunity to step away from that. So this is what I've learned. One of the things I've learned is simply because people in my life who yes, go to church are sinners and they're broken. I can't allow someone's brokenness to influence my understanding of scripture and his desire to use his church to promote the gospel of Jesus. And so often what we've done, anybody been in hard church situation before? Raise your hand. Anybody, right? It's like everybody almost. So here, let's just get it out of the way. Everybody's broken, but God is good and gracious. Woo! Woo! You feel better? I I should have done that in the first service. I feel better. Because what I found myself doing was I was allowing my view of the church and my commitment to the church, my devotion to the church, to be influenced by how I feel that I had been wronged and hurt by the church, even my family, and how my marriage had been negatively impacted and influenced by the church. And what I need to do is I need to allow what Christ did in His death and His resurrection... And in his goodness and his forgiveness and his mercy, I need to allow that to change the way I see the people of the church who are still hurting and broken and still sinners, even though we've been saved by grace. I need that to influence the way I see them. People go, well, the church is comprised of hypocrites. Yes, because we're all broken, but we've been restored. And so then it changes things. And so I have a really healthy view of the church today. Not only of this church, I'm talking about the Big C Church have a really healthy view meaning i just know we're all messed up but god's grace is bigger and what i can't do is i can't allow someone else's wrongs and someone else's mistakes and even my own to then define what i believe god can do in his church I've got to be able to move past that. So that lets you understand when I read and when when I'm about to jump in to the book of Acts, primarily Acts chapter 2, when I speak to this, I'm speaking from joy and I'm also speaking from a person who has experienced a lot of hurt, all of it combined, and I'm okay with every bit of it because what we find here in the book of Acts is this, um, You've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you have Acts, okay? So Acts literally means Acts of the Apostles. It's written by Luke as well, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And so uh, even in Acts chapter 1, if you read Acts chapter 1, verse 4, again in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, you see the words of Christ and how he's letting them know, listen, um, they ask him a question, when are you going to usher back in the kingdom uh, of God um, and to restore um, the nation of Israel, and, and here comes Jesus. and He says, listen, it's not for you to know the time or the place or anything else. And then after that, he ascends into heaven. And then the people are standing there. The apostles are standing there going, okay, what do we do now? They go back to Jerusalem. They go into the upper room, and they begin to pray together. And that's, this is the beginning of this, this New Testament church. that It was known as people of the way. John 14, 6, I'm the way and the truth and the life, no one to the Father except through me. And so here they are, and they're jumping into this, and it's the church. It's also known... a lot of this with the beginning of the church is Pentecost. Pentecost is spoken about other places in the Bible. It's really fulfilling the prophecies even in the book of Joel, the minor prophet in the Old Testament. And Pentecost has taken place, and all these things are happening right now. And, and Pentecost is really the ushering in, God ushering in in a new way, in a vibrant way, Holy Spirit, to really provide the direction of the church today. The, this celebration of, new, of newness, a renewal of purpose, and of God's call and God's mission for the church. And God was just doing remarkable things. One, you got to know about Pentecost in terms of it's one of seven festivals. And I, I speak about these kind of basic things a lot because we got to process it. Um, it's one of the primary three festivals that the Jewish people would have come back to Jerusalem to celebrate. All right, So it's a big thing. So here they all are and all this is unfolding and people are coming to know God and coming to understand who Christ is and there's a there is tension in the air because not all the religious leaders agreed with what was happening was what was unfolding and then all of a sudden what you have is this whole, coming of Holy Spirit comes, and Peter preaches his first sermon at Pentecost when everybody's already there in Jerusalem, and it's, it, Pentecost is celebrating the first fruits and all these wonderful, this festival built around the harvest and the Torah, okay? And the God giving his law, that's what it's really built around. And so here's Peter preaching at Pentecost, and he preaches this sermon that is crazy powerful. I just want to call out a little bit of it. That's not the purpose of the message today, but I, you've got to understand contextually what this means. Why is it important is because um, when Peter is speaking these words contextually, you need to know this is roughly 50 or so days after the crucifixion of Jesus. So there's, there's tension in the air, Right? There's a lot of angst that's taking place, and, and I would even say not only angst, but stress. Like you can just kind of walk, and you can feel, I, you've got to think of it like this. All this is unfolding. And he jumps into this first sermon, and he says things like this. And he's standing there with the 11, and it says that he lifted up his voice, and he starts to address all the people of Judea in Jerusalem and said, hey, listen, these people, they thought the people were drunk because of their worship and their praise of God. And he's saying, these people aren't drunk, it's the coming of Holy Spirit. He starts calling out the words from the prophet Joel in verse 16 and following. And he starts calling out to them and saying, hey, guys, you need to listen to all that's been done. That all of you, you need to know that you've delivered Jesus up. You've crucified him and killed him. The hands of lawless men did this very thing. But God, God raised him up. And so then he calls out that, yes, Jesus was raised up by God, exalted at the right hand of the Father. And he says, he's poured this out on you. So Jesus uh, is being preached by Peter that you need to come. You need to recognize who he is. And then as a result of that, what you have is it says when they heard all of this, the people are listening. And here's what's so remarkable. Peter's preaching this in this place of stress and angst. And he's preaching this out. And it says that all the people were cut to the heart. This is uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says all the people were cut to the heart. It means it just pierced them, right? Like they... And they're like they they took this in and like oh man did we do that to Jesus? And they said, what should we do? Verse thirty-eight, Peter says to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It tells us in verse forty-one, so those who received His word were baptized, and they there were added that day about three thousand souls so all of this is happening when they heard this they were cut to the heart what should we do we should be we should repent and be baptized so I'm going to be jumping into Acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 47 and in these six verses a lot of what you have, and I'm going to go, of course, very, very quick, but what you have in these six verses is a response to the people who are cut to the heart by the profession and the recognition of who Jesus Christ is in their own life. And all of a sudden, you see the church forming and developing and becoming at its foundation, even what it is today. And you're seeing a picture in these six verses that are being painted with words that really should be the picture of all churches today of what it should really be about. And so here the people are responding to this truth that they heard, that they had absorbed, and what the church was going to be. So as we look at this, we do see biblical community. I I think the biblical community, uh, a very simple uh, definition of it, is a group of people who share radical devotion to Jesus and each other. Biblical community is a group of people who show radical devotion to Jesus and each other. That's what it is. Just go ahead and understand that fully. And here's where we see it in these six verses. In fact, I'll go ahead and have them put this, uh, the, the verses up here. It says, and they devoted themselves, Acts 2, 42 and following, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That's why I say that radical devotion. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. One of the very first things, and you can grab your worship guide there and look at the notes. One of the very first things that we learn about a biblical community because we're going to have to look at this and then we have to evaluate where we are individually in this whole thing but one of the one of the first things that we learn is that a biblical community has unrelenting devotion unwavering devotion complete devotion it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Like they gave devotion is something that you go, wow, like you are truly committed to it no matter what. And we can talk about all the different illustrations of, of commitment today and how you show devotion, right? We know it's... Um, yesterday you can watch these different teams and stuff maybe some of you have done this before and you got some of these guys even when it gets cold you know the guys it's 30 degrees outside there the football game they have no shirt on and if they're a Michigan State fan that means they're all green and white and they got a giant M on their chest any of you do that growing up? good like it's kind of cool though because here they are what are they doing? they're saying I'm all in I, I am a Michigan State fan I'm all in I, I, or if it's Michigan, it doesn't matter what school it is, right? What they're saying is, I am all in. I am completely devoted to this school. And what we find here is that, that type of devotion that I'm talking about is nothing compared to the type of devotion that they experience in the biblical community and the word of God. This is going to be, guys, we're all going to have to walk out of this place and go, am I living in biblical community the way that God designed? And you can blame other people for it, but at some point, we all have a decision to make. Are we going to allow someone else's sinfulness, somebody else's problems try to reconstruct what we're willing to do biblically, or are we going to fight for the word of God even when we know that everybody else is sinners? We're all going to make mistakes. If you're looking to find a problem at Chapel Point, it's not going to be hard to do. Fair enough? I'm going to hear it from, like even today, I can tell you one person after another, it doesn't matter what day it is, some people come by and they say, they give me a high five and say, awesome just keep leading hard and other people go hey can I tell you what's wrong my chair was scooted over and there was a light glaring off of your forehead like it's a big forehead get over it okay or you're going to say well the music was this or or the sound was this or the lights coming through the door don't worry we're going to try to fix that we heard you okay like you get if you want to find a problem you're going to find a problem And if that's what keeps you from being biblically devoted to a place, there's a mess. That's a problem in terms of priorities. I am glad to tell you I'm a sinner because I'm more to glad. i I'm, I'm more happy to tell you that I've been redeemed and restored. And so they devoted themselves. They had unrelenting devotion. It wasn't, it's kind of unrelenting devotion versus casual indifference. Too many people are entering the church today with this casual indifference, and we're basically there as long as they do do everything we like until they don't screw up. We're going to screw up, but we've been saved. We are well, I can tell you this about the leadership of this church, they are well-intentioned, they are earnest in their desire to be biblical in all they do. And now what I will tell you is we're going to continually mess up, though. But we're going to call out to God, ask for forgiveness, and do everything we can to set our course straight with the word of God in order to reach a community for Jesus. And so here they are showing this type of devotion to the teaching, right? That's why we, and, and, and to fellowship. That's, if you think about our church, we keep pushing you to two things. Small groups, which is fellowship, really knowing each other, and to learning experiences, which is to the teaching of the Word of God, so that it can just sit on your heart. And anybody who says, I can do it all by myself, scares me. That's called pride and arrogance. God did not create it to be such. And so then we have an opportunity to have unrelenting devotion. Now, I told you a week ago, if you're here, I was convinced that I would offend everybody in this room. And I've probably already done a pretty good job today. Because you're going, well, you don't understand. I've been wronged by the church before. I've been wrong by the church before. Trust me. But that doesn't mean I can rewrite or redefine the word of God. Devotion, Here's the, the, I just looked it up online. Not hard to do, right? I looked up the definition of devotion. Love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. But I even threw some synonyms up here so you can see that as well. Here are some synonyms for you. Loyalty, faithfulness, fidelity, trueness, staunchness, steadfastness, right? This adherence to something that you're not willing to let go of no matter what. It was a devotion to it. And too many of us are going, well, I'll get to it when I get to it. Guys, we're devoted to all types of things. You have to ask yourself, are you being devoted to things that are eternal or things that are temporary? Even my family, I look at all that we do sometimes for different events. Yesterday, uh, I was telling the first service, we drove an hour almost to go watch a cross-country meet. My daughter ran in about 13 minutes. We got back in the car and drove an hour to get back. And then they charged me for parking. It's like, stop. Are you kidding me right now? But you do it because of what matters to you. What are you committed to? What are you devoted to? Are you devoted to God's church? Are you devoted to God's church? And then how many churches today are actually marked by this type of devotion to the word and to community together? Another thing that we see here, especially in verse 43 and 44, as you're reading it, it says, And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. These people had genuine, the the New Testament church had genuine affection. That's the second thing that they had. They had genuine affection for each other because they first had this affection for Jesus. They recognized who they were and their need for God and for Christ and that he came and paid a penalty for them and they had this great affection for him. And because they understood this affection that they had with Christ, they had this affection with other people. I think they had a a view of people And they started seeing people for who they could become in Christ. I say this a lot, and here's the reason why. I think the New Testament church, because of their need for Jesus and what they understood Christ to be and who he was and what he did, they started to see people differently. They didn't see people just for how they had messed up. They started to see people for who they could become in Jesus. Have you ever noticed when you know that you've been forgiven, when your own brokenness has been restored, when you really just soak that in, that have you ever have you ever really contemplated how it changes the way you see other people as well? The ones who struggle the most in forgiving someone else is the one who typically is the one who struggles the most in understanding that they need to be forgiven. They had this genuine affection one of the reasons they had this genuine affection is because truth had captured their hearts it says with all right this 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 mentality that with all that all of a sudden they saw all that christ did it says all came upon every soul all who believed were together they couldn't believe what was happening it was like wow this is amazing Truth captured their hearts. They were fascinated by what Christ had done for them, and as a result, they wanted to share it with everybody else. So they had this genuine affection. Another thing that we find is that they were open-handed with people, meaning they were generous they, they, they walked around like this, whatever they could do for other people, they did for other people. It's one of the things I adore about this church. Uh, you don't even know this um, because when we moved, we had benevolent boxes in the gym over there where we worshiped. and when we moved over here, we haven't even moved those boxes. People are still giving just as much of the benevolent offering. And so here we are every month writing checks and helping people, and we have a a way of doing that, right, and a way of not doing that. We have to be very careful so that people's resources are used properly. But we are literally writing checks for tens and tens of thousands of dollars every year to assist people and to help them. And we're open-handed in that because you're open-handed, and giving back to the church, it's remarkable, And I understand that some people were going, oh, wait a second, we got to make sure that we do everything exactly right. And we're trying to do that. But here's what I'm telling you is they were so generous in their giving and how they operated in life. Majority of us today, maybe not all of us, I think the majority of people today would say it's irresponsible, their generosity. We would literally say they're irresponsible and how generous that they are. We would say that because, like, well, who's going to manage it the right way and who's going to make sure? Listen, here they are. They're open-handed. It tells us verse 44 and 45. It says, all who believed were together had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and dis- distributing to pers- um, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous Hearts. Here we find Christianity not isolating the believer to live by themselves. We find Christianity coming together to be God's church in order to live life together. To live life together. And so day by day, attending the temple together, and that was so important for them, right? And they, they came, and they're breaking bread in their homes, and they're receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And you know what it led to? It says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Biblical community leads to here's the response it leads to a contagious and a transformative joy it just wells up within you it just wells up within you and you you can't you can't restrain it you can't contain it like it just starts coming out and this that's what was happening Then in the church today, so then I go, why isn't it that we have that type of mentality in today's world? Could it be that we're too consumed with looking at if the church will do what we want rather than looking at who the church is and saying, I will serve with you. I won't stand behind you. I will stand beside you as long as you're promoting Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. Could it be? Like, don't we have the responsibility to go? If this is the New Testament church, do we look like that today? And if we don't, why? You think they had all the answers? They didn't have all the answers. They had so many things to deal with. Listen, they had thousands of people daily coming to know Jesus Christ. Some of us would look at that today and go, well, you know what? There's no way that they can deeply know Jesus Christ the way that I do, so we're not doing things well, so I'm going to step away. Listen, they were dealing with so many thousands of people who didn't fully understand the gospel, but they knew that God stepped in and radically changed their heart, and so they said, we're in. We're too busy trying to correct the same people who are broken just as we're broken, rather than recognizing that we have been restored. So, if you've never been to church before, you're going, wow. But we all know listen, I hear it my whole life, I've heard it my whole life. The power that the church could carry in the name of Jesus today is so radical, but we're waiting for it to mess up and we don't have people who are completely devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching of Jesus Christ and to fellowship together. What if we're willing to do that? I mean, they, they, they were entrenched in the biblical community together. That's why I, I'm telling you. That's why even though I've had a hard, hard time here and there with churches and stepped away and different things, I'm so grateful to be where I am because the leaders in this church I know are standing beside me. Here's the rule. As long as I stay true to the word of God and try to be earnest in my desire to be faithful, we're going together. So much power in that. Here's a big question. What are you most devoted to? Because if you're not willing to be devoted to the Word of God, it's because something else has a greater place on your heart than that. Something else matters more. What are you What are you devoted to? They had to entrench themselves. God, here's part of the reason we need this community, because the, they were on a mission together. They were on mission together to win the world for Jesus. Too many people go to the church today and they're on mission to have their needs met. And what I'm telling you is, if you know Jesus Christ, you've already had your greatest need met, so let's get on the same page and now meet the need of the entire world by telling them about Jesus. Anybody? Yes? It tells us in Acts 4, 32 and 33. This is so good. Here's all of these different things happening. And it talks about people coming to know Christ and and, and Peter speaking some more. And in Acts 4, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. They needed it because the persecution, the hostility toward the church, it started to come quick. I mean, it was coming really, really fast. And we know it over and over. By chapter 4, it intensified. Where In chapter 4, they're throwing people into prison. In chapter 5, it worsened. By chapter 8, the people were scattering because the persecution was so great. They needed to know what it was to be devoted to such a community so that they could stand firm together and claiming Jesus Christ as Lord. That's why we're not willing to give up our vision statement here. We know that we're transformed followers of Jesus, passionately responding to God, rooted in prayer in the Bible, and equipping disciples. We're not willing to give up on that because God has called us to get into the community as best we can and to change it. It's why even now... um, I encourage you to pray for a guy by the name of Aaron Balduk. Um, He actually is preaching his last sermon right now at a church right down the street, an amazing church named Wellspring. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Um, I encourage you to keep praying for that church. Pray for Daybreak. Pray for Fairhaven. Pray for them all. We need, listen, there are enough lost people to fill all of them. All right? So that's our mentality. I've met with eight different pastors in the last three weeks saying, how can we partner together? Some are very receptive, some not so much. That's a great church. Pray for them. But we actually, just through casual conversation, God lined it up where we just hired Aaron. Um, and he's going to end up, he's going to be here 6 to 12 months roughly. And he's going to end up being a site pastor for us as we continue to push the, the, the kingdom of God forward as best we can. So you're going to see, be seeing him more and more in the coming weeks um, and in the coming months. As we partner together with someone else as we're trying our best to come together as a biblical community and promote Jesus Christ. I think one of the struggles that we have, and I want to step over here. I want to show you something. Here's here's one of the struggles we actually have today. Um, One of the problems, I'm going to go ahead and take off my shoes here. I want to show you something. Um, I know some of you are right now, you're going... Man, what is he up to? Um, You can make fun of me. I'm from the South. We're not used to having shoes. Um, (laughs) All right? And I'm even going to roll this up a little bit. Um, So when I say jokes about where I'm from and you laugh at them, I just want you to know it hurts a little bit. Um, (laughs) So many of us today... When we come to acknowledge Jesus Christ, what happens is we go, oh, I'm in. That means I'm going to go to church. And so we step in. Wow, that's cold. This feels like Lake Michigan right now. <laughs> Can we get a heater just for this kiddie pool? Um, and so we step in and we go, Okay. If he's really preaching about biblical community, and I understand who Jesus Christ really is, that means I have to do it together. God designed for us to live life together. Isn't that cool? I look out here right now, and I see so many different people, and I probably shouldn't call out names, but I think about the DeGraphs. I think about the Johnsons. I think about the Hornings. I think about all these different people, the Harmsons, and I go, I get to live life with you guys. Now, not just so we give each other high five, we get to live life together because we acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. And so together we stand arm in arm and we say, you know what, let's go tell the world how good Jesus is. Crazy devotion to each other. But what a lot of people do is they step in and they go, man, this is awesome. And they find, right, they find the living water. Jesus speaks about how he is the living water and that all of those who are thirsty, right, this is how you get quenched. (laughs) Isn't that good? That's how it happens. But then we step into it and we go, but this is just, now this is just for me. And it's like what we come to do and when we come to worship, like when you worship here at Chapel Point, we all know we can get our worship on, right, Pastor Nathan? And and when you come here, this shouldn't be the only time every week you get your worship on. But what we do is we come and we go, well, this is my biblical community, and yeah, this is good, but then we step out of it. And it's like that's a different life, and God possibly is wanting us to get other people exposed to his goodness, right? And we go, wow, that guy's crazy. He just got something wet. And I think that's actually our mentality when it comes to Christ. We go, would he really do that? Should you really say anything about it? I do not believe biblically that you can claim to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus and not share the power of the resurrection of Jesus. What I would argue is we need to have a bigger impact. That's what we're trying to do as a church right now. I tell people all the time we may add a service one day or whatever else, but we don't. We're not trying to just do everything we can to grow this place. We're trying to grow the kingdom. We don't care what name is on the building. What we need to do is possibly, we need to do this. We need to get something that's more effective, right? Isn't that what we need to do? And the people that I know, I kind of focus in on, I'm sorry. And we need to get that excited, it just keeps happening. We need, to get, we need to go, why, why aren't we doing this with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the church? Why aren't we trying to, to contain it to something that's this small? This building is not big enough to hold my God. It's not big enough. And so when... When do we go, wait a second here. Maybe we should have a devotion, a dedication to the teaching of the word and to worshiping together that we've never really known before. Will we go there? Will you be church with me? I'm asking you. Will you be church with me? That means we're less concerned with finding the wrong in someone and we're more concerned about seeing the Jesus in someone. That's biblical community. And that's what we get to be a part of. In fact, I would argue that so many today we're actually, some of us are living more inspired by the conviction that someone else has rather than being inspired by our own conviction and living by them. Like, I hear it all the time, like, hey, Joel, you're so passionate. I I I could never be that passionate about Jesus. And I hear these things, and I go, I'm sure we have different personalities, which is great. You can live out that passion in different ways, though. And I'm asking you not to be inspired by somebody else's conviction nearly as much as you're willing to live by the convictions God's placed on your own heart. And do you know which one you're doing? Will you be church with me? So many of you already are. And I just, I tell people all the time, I I can't believe what I get to do for a living. I'm so honored. I know we're honored and blessed to be church with you. Let's go deeper. There is work to be done. There is work to be done. Jesus is too good to be kept quiet. God, I come before you. And I thank you for your love, and I thank you for your passion. God, may we do everything we can to share your love and your power and your grace with everybody that we know. In Christ's name, amen.